Sesame Street always has a lesson to learn theme for each season of the show. And we've been watching a lot of Sesame Street in my house lately. Sometimes the theme for the season is things like love your neighbor or differences are okay or whatever they've chosen. This season, Sesame Street's theme has been how to problem solve the ways we use our imaginations to overcome obstacles which come into our path or which appear because we messed up or made a mistake or because life is unpredictable. Last week, Alan couldn't lead story time as he always does because a family of chickens had shown up for lunch at the deli and Alan had to serve the chickens lunch because that was his job. Julia, a new Muppet, is autistic and she had a very difficult reaction to this change in routine. Elmo and Abby were left to solve this problem. How do we help Julia? Elmo and Abby can't read, so they couldn't just take over story time. This problem required some imagination. This is when the season's theme comes into play. The folks on Sesame Street are learning about approaching challenges with their imagination using a very catchy theme tune. I wonder what if let's try about four times an episode, one or the other of the character calls for a time out and one of them turns to the other and says, I wonder what if let's try in this scenario, Abby turns to Elmo and says, I wonder how we can help Julia with a story. In this scenario, Abby turns to Elmo and says, I wonder how we can help Julia with a story. Elmo turns and says, What if we help Julia by writing a story together? And they both then yell, Let's try. This I wonder what if let's try formulation works out most of the time, though Sesame Street is refreshingly honest about the ways it doesn't always work out the first time. Sometimes you're wondering and what ifing and let's trying doesn't work out the first time. And when that happens, they start back over again. I wonder why it didn't work. What if we try something different? Let's try it. They are always very excited about trying whatever solution their imaginations conjure up. I wonder if some of the reasons we feel stuck or as if a problem is unsolvable, is because we so often try to apply the skills and tactics we've used in the past to a problem which has a brand new set of challenges. The $5 dictionary word for that is paradigm. A paradigm being the set of rules you apply in every situation which helps you solve the situation. A paradigm is like our old friend, please excuse my dear Aunt Sally, which helps us with math equations. We are taught to apply this set of problem-solving rules in every situation, whether the car won't start or you've gotten a scary diagnosis. And so I'd imagine most of us solve problems in this way. One, we recognize there's a problem. Step two, we identify the source of the problem. Step three, we eliminate the source of the problem. Step four, we move on and pretend everything is fine. Which works, I guess, for, say, a plumbing problem, But you can't solve a broken relationship this way. People are more complicated, more detailed. When we apply our existing paradigm to a new problem, sometimes we are relying on tools which will only make the problem worse. 
It's like using a wrench on your pipe when what you need is a hammer and a new pipe. Or when all you have is a hammer and so every problem looks like a nail. In this morning's story, the people of Lystra find themselves in a bind. Local lore told of a story which had come to define the people, and this meaning-making story was the lens through which the Lystrians interpreted all the events of the world. Greek mythology told stories of gods who walked the earth. The Greek converts to Christianity never stumbled over the idea of a god who could become human and performed miracles. Their gods had such adventures all the time. The Greeks and Romans very confidently slotted Jesus right in next to demigods like Hercules without blinking an eye. The Greeks and Romans struggled much more with the idea that there was only one such god. When Paul and Barnabas showed up in Lystra that morning, it was in the context of the people's pre-existing beliefs and ideas about who the gods were and how they operated. Everything they hear Paul say is interpreted through the lens of the stories they grew up believing. And in Lystra, there was a pre-existing paradigm story about Zeus and Hermes. Zeus and Hermes wandered around the earth, as the gods often did, interacting with humans who were unaware the people they met were gods. These gods would curse you or bless you, depending on how you treated them. In this rulebook-making situation, an elderly couple showed incredible kindness to Zeus and Hermes, who in return healed them of their disability. Zeus and Hermes then destroyed the rest of the village, who did not show them such kindness. When Paul and Barnabas show up in the village and heal an elderly man who showed kindness, all the people of the village rush to worship Paul and Barnabas as Zeus. The priest of Zeus rushes to quickly offer sacrifices to Paul as a thanks offering for his healing. And all of this activity makes perfect sense if you see it through the lens of the people's interpretive rules. The people of the village see the situation and quickly reach back into their tool chest and apply the framing they already have in their pocket onto this new situation. Someone has been healed by strangers. Those strangers must be Zeus and Hermes because that's who it was the last time. And oh no, the last time Zeus and Hermes came, they destroyed the village because we didn't worship them. Somebody get the fatted cat stat. And of course, this wasn't that situation at all. The problem of Paul and Barnabas is completely different, completely other, completely new. These tools don't work at all. In fact, in this situation, those pre-existing paradigms just make things worse. Paul and Barnabas weep and rip their clothes, because while the people accepted Jesus, they didn't understand him or change anything at all about themselves except the name on the outside of the temple. They quickly went to work slotting Jesus into their pre-existing paradigm. What if the people of Lystra had applied the Elmo method of problem-solving to this scenario? Elmo would have taken a step back and looked at the situation as it was, a new one, which looked like an old one. I wonder, he might have said, who these people are. I wonder how they healed this man. I wonder if this situation is actually different than what I believe it to be. After taking a step back to ask if Paul and Barnabas might be something other than Zeus and Hermes, the next step might have been to say, what if we ask some questions to figure out exactly who they say they are?
And then after a village-wide cry of, let's try, the people of Lister might have discovered the deeper truth of the reality in which they found themselves. Paul would have been able to share who and how he had performed the miracle. Yes, it was God, Paul might have said, just not the God you think it was. And this God doesn't want anything from you except trust and community and celebration. No fatted calf necessary. If there's anything the Bible is clear about, it's that the God we worship does not fit into our rule book. We are so often led astray because we are too confident of who God is and where God is moving. The Bible is clear. Jesus was a paradigm-breaking figure who showed the possibility of a God who could raise people from the dead and conquer fear itself. If there is anything which is clear, it's that the Spirit of God is moving. The Spirit moves and changes and shifts and destroys and tears down and builds up and creates. And the one thing the Spirit doesn't do is stay in the same place in the same way the Spirit always was. We need the imagination to recognize God may not be in the same place God used to be. And where God is today is not where God will be tomorrow. We need the humility to acknowledge we are limited by our own experiences of God and of the world. We have all of us experienced God in a particular way through specific means and in unique contexts. It's tempting to believe our view and our experience of God is the only way to view, see, and experience God. But locking God into those sorts of boxes only leaves us calling God Zeus and worshiping Hermes instead of Jesus which means time is a factor. Location is a factor. Our attitudes are a factor in our ability to see God for who and where God is. Our paradigms of God were formed by all the same factors which shape our personalities, but we don't need to have faith to believe in a God who does exactly what we expect. We need faith because we have a God who breaks molds and moves mountains. We need the humility to acknowledge we may be using a hammer when God is calling for a wrench. What would happen in our faith if instead of being so certain we have God pinned down, we recognize the need for imagination and curiosity when it comes to God? What might our faith look like if we looked at God in wonder instead of certainty? God is capable of so much more than we acknowledge. God is up to so much more mischief than our perspective allows us to see. Maybe we should be a little bit more like Elmo. Fuzzy and red and full of wonder. Maybe we should start each day with a question in our heart. I wonder what God is up to in my life today. Where is God leading me? And maybe we should approach each challenge, each difficulty with the questions, I wonder. Instead of rushing in to solve it or fix it or overcome it or ignore it, or believing we just have the right paradigm to define it before it gets out of hand, I wonder what would happen if we used our imaginations. What if we tried to see God through eyes of discovery instead of certainty? I think we should try. 
But I have found when that I don't believe that God is speaking, it's not because God isn't speaking. It's because God is saying words that I don't want to hear. Often God is calling us into places that are frightening because we are uncertain of what that future is. We know how to do this future. Okay. I was going to say, well, but I think for most of us, the truth is okay. We're making it day to day. We know how to make this work. And so when God is calling us into something different, into something new, into a vision of a future, it's a little scary because we are uncertain of who we will be and where we will go. And so it is not that God isn't speaking. It's that we are not listening. Not really listening. Not Peter on the rooftop listening. Not Cornelius in the nighttime listening. We are not truly open to the voice of God. We are not ready to hear the voice of God, to see the vision which descends from heaven for us, for our future. We don't want to hear it. That future makes us uncomfortable. Or it's the opposite direction of where we thought we wanted to go. Or it's an unwanted future. Because it brings pain and loss. But that doesn't mean God isn't speaking into that future. Period. We simply have to acknowledge that we are in between. We are really good at pretending things are the way they used to be. It takes us a long time to realize that we have changed, that our life has changed, that the world has changed beyond what we are able to handle in the way that we used to, with the skills that we have already in our pocket. We are like the proverbial ostrich, with our heads in the sand of what we know. But the truth is, most of us are in some form of a liminal space all of the time. Whether big moments or small moments, we are in between. The past that was and the future that will be. We can pretend it isn't happening. We can ignore the future that God has planned for us, or at least drag our feet kicking and screaming into it. But in my experience, if God has a vision for you and a plan for you and a future for you, it's going to happen. God didn't ask whether you were going to be happy about it. So we need to find ourselves in this liminal place 
to recognize that we are in a thin place between the world and God, between earth and heaven. That if we let ourselves, we will find ourselves on the rooftop, gazing into the night sky, open for a word from God. God is speaking. We just have to be brave enough to hear it.